teacher's voices. As voices du professeur. As voices du professeur. La aussi, il y a La voix des enseignants. Bien, 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 bien. Teacher's voices. Welcome to a new episode of Teacher's Voices. I am your host, educational researcher Nina Alonso, and today we will talk about the importance of supporting children's capacity to act and own their learning processes. This interesting theme is connected to so many relevant issues in education, and so I hope it inspires new ideas for future discussion. So please contact us with your ideas. We are preparing a new series and we will be very glad to hear about you. You can email us at podcastteachersvoices at gmail.com. We will first listen to Natalia Kuzirkova, professor of early childhood education and development, whose work is concerned with social justice in children's literacy and use of technologies. In Natalia's research, She highlights the role of children as independent agents of action. This focus on the child's agency also guides the first-hand stories that we will hear from Cohen and Aline, two educators who are now implementing educational and academic programs in Vietnam and Brazil. They will share with us the inspiring stories which have shaped their current roles and approaches as educationalists, that they lived working directly with young children, both in schools and in informal learning settings in Belgium and UK. Let's first welcome Natalia Kuzirkova. Hello, Natalia. Welcome to Teachers' Voices. Hi. Hi, Ninan. Nice to connect with you. Natalia, I'd like to start by asking... What do you mean when we talk about children's agency? So in education, I understand agency together with colleagues as the capacity to act. So the choices available to children and their way of acting on these choices. It is also about children's awareness about the choices that are available to them. And in uh, many respects, it's an expression of their autonomy that becomes visible in different activities that they do and how actively they participate in the, in the classroom. So that is how educationalists understand agency. And then in uh, psychology, very often researchers talk about agency in terms of efficacy. So the belief that you as an individual have the capacity to change your environment with your actions. So you are aware of why you are doing something. You make a choice based on that active engagement with in the process of decision-making. And how is agency related to the child's self-esteem and why is this so important for the child's learning and development? Oh, very good question. I think they go hand in hand, you know. So if you see that you are in control and that you are producing something effectively, then it boosts your self-esteem. So it's not that one comes before the other. Um, the two things mutually either enrich each other, so they mutually increase or decrease. And that is quite um, easy to observe. So there are some studies in psychology that... Um, show how uh, 
children who control um, their own learning and feel more in charge of the learning situation are then also more confident and then they continue with the learning activity more than those that perhaps didn't um, start with a similar level of confidence. Natalia, what can educators do to nurture children's agency? What I have observed, and I know other colleagues have noticed as well, is that it's really important that teachers verbalize the importance of agency. So they talk about it. They talk to children about the choices that they have made so that they become more aware about their own choices. I don't think that is a specific teaching style, but that, you know, that we talk about the choices that we make and we um, make children aware about the importance of them. And another thing that is very um, helpful in nurturing children's agency is to make sure that, that they take ownership of the activity, that they feel that they own it. And that can be achieved with many techniques. Keeping in mind the idea of making sure that children own their learning activities, we are now going to listen to the stories of two educators fostering children's agency in learning with practical experiences. We arrive in Belgium, where Cohen generously welcomes us during his holiday. His wife and son have just returned from a walk, so before this interview can actually start, Cohen asks me for a minute, so he can now open the door to let them in. Cohen is very excited. His Belgian family is meeting Cohen's baby for the first time as Cohen and his wife live in Vietnam, where Cohen works as a strategic advisor for the Belgian Organization for Education and Development, VVOB. Hello, Cohen. Thanks so much for accepting my invitation. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you? Cohen believes in the importance of letting children own their learning processes, and he told me about a particular experience that he had when he was a teacher in a Belgian school that had had an important impact in his life and career. This is Cohen's description of the details of his inspiring story. What happened in, in this particular situation was that one of the children in the morning meeting was explaining how he went to the zoo and he got really intrigued by the apes in the zoo. And then he started talking with his mom about how apes look like humans and, and they behave similarly. That was like something that stood out to that particular student. And he told about that experience in the zoo in the morning meeting. And I noticed that the other kids uh, responded to that. Like they had questions about it. They wanted to know more. And that like it very spontaneously, it grew into a project. And it actually became quite a big project. It took us several months, but it turned into uh, like the whole story of the history in general, starting from the Big Bang until where we are now. At a certain moment, uh, we made this project book and to make sure that we would write like decent articles that are good and that are well-written and informative. First, we studied um, encyclopedias and, and other reference books. And I think that's how, how, as a teacher, you still control the learning journey. You still make sure that you reach certain goals. And in this case, it would be to write a good informative article. But then the agency is still completely with the children because they write what they, about what they care about in the context or in the framework of this project, of course. 
Cohen mentioned that the children presented the project to the parents. And so what the kids decided to do is uh, they wanted to make a shadow play out of it. So they created the whole story, starting from the Big Bang until where we are now. They made all these shadow puppets uh, and they had a whole, yeah, like theater set up. Cohen highlighted another important observation about his practice that goes beyond the individual aspect of the children's agency. But what definitely is interesting to note about that is that since it was such a large project and it took a lot of time, you could really see the impact it had on the classroom or on the class group, like as a community. And then in the beginning, sometimes it wasn't always the easiest group to work with. But then we started digging really deep into this material and we would do like field visits to Mesilla or all kind of activities. And, and that, I feel like that really brought the group together. What Cohen explains about classroom collaboration resonates with Natalia's thoughts on what schools can do to give children enough independence while also giving them teaching support. I suppose it's a balance between the independent way of participating and the one that is more supported by the adult. And of course the peers, right? There will be other classmates that might be interested in the activity and that creates a very nice opportunity for dialogue in the classroom. I asked Cohen how it is possible to reach teachers' learning goals while at the same time letting the children enough choice of action. That's the challenge of, of many of these um, progressive uh, education styles, eh? that you're still working with a, a certain curriculum and you still have certain learning goals to reach, but you also want to take into account student agency and you want to give freedom and space to students to make their own choices. Sometimes that may even sound a bit contradictory, but I feel like this is a really nice example of how it can really work well together. When you said, for example, the learning goal will be about creative writing and you can give them things like mentor texts and, and examples of, of what you think are good Uh, learning outcomes and then they by studying that and by applying it to what the kids are interested in then they make it their own and that's where they get the agency that's where they can take the ownership of their own learning journey our expert natalia kuzirkova summarizes well what cohen's story shows if teachers provide children with several activities that pick up on the children's interests and ideas, then it's easier for children to take ownership of their learning or of the reading experiences I observed in the classroom. Cohen explained well the impact that this experience as a teacher has had in his life. This is the story that will always come back. I, I think it, it, will, it will be hard to top it because it was such a demanding experience as a teacher it took a lot of effort took a lot of outside of the classroom hours to to make it all happen and to gather all the information and all the materials that you want to have but then getting that reward and seeing the impact of it i think yeah that's when you realize that it's worth it and for me that felt like that's what teaching should be about much more than 
instructing a classroom what to do and much more than grading specific tests or doing all the administration that comes uh, with teaching. I think it really relates well to what uh, you have talked about in previous episodes uh, when we t- when you talk about learning to play. There's the element of joy and joy often happens after even frustration or it's also called hard fun uh, where it really has to be worth the effort like it cannot be too easy because then it's less fun i would say cohen's story illustrates the relation between children's agency and motivation which natalia commented on well there is a link between agency and motivation so there are studies showing this link this correlation and that means that if children can control a uh, situation, a learning situation, they are in charge of the activity that they are participating in, then they feel more effective and productive. They feel they are being more successful and that boosts their willingness to do more. So they set new goals and they approach another learning situation. So it's a very positive cycle for learning. That is why it's important in terms of learning. But on the broader or more uh, philosophical level, if you like, it is really about making sure that children have choices about their own lives. It is what gives uh, life meaning, isn't it? You know, agency is a fundamental human right and uh, some say a uh, supreme uh, human value. So um, I think we need to see both the learning benefits as well as this broader importance of agency. Belgium and we travel past the Atlantic Ocean to arrive in Brazil. Aline now works as a researcher and a university lecturer in Rio de Janeiro, where she answers me, as I call her on a Sunday morning very early for her. I can hear many birds singing in the background. She will head to Ipanema Beach right after our conversation as she complains that it is only 7 a.m. and it's already so hot. Aline wants to share her past experience in England working with four and five-year-old children and digital forms of literature in out-of-school settings. These experiences have been crucial in shaping her current research interests and academic practice. Hello, Nina. Thank you for inviting me. So, uh, in my work, I work with families, uh, with parents reading with their children in a public library. So, it's an informal learning space. And uh, all the learning that we're talking about here is about learning through stories. So, it's not exactly a very didactic moment in terms of teaching directly, but learning from the story and from the reading experience itself and from the natural interactions that happen between parents and children. I asked Aline if she could share a story that could be relevant about how reading experiences with young children can support their agency. So uh, in my case, uh, they are reading story apps or picture book apps, which are a form of digital interactive literature that they can read on a tablet or on a smartphone. Reading uh, digital picture books or story apps is a very dynamic form of reading. 
you can read the words, but also the words can be uh, spoke aloud by the app or by the parents that is co-reading with the child. But what is mostly uh, noticeable when you look at children reading is that they engage their bodies a lot so that because of interactivity. So they will participate in the story. For instance, they can tap the characters and the characters will say some extra things. They can uh, make decisions for the characters. So Little Red Riding Hood can decide to go through one way in the forest or another way in the forest. They can participate with more performative uh, gestures. For instance, they can blow the device and then the wolf is going to blow the three little pigs' houses. So it's a very dynamic form of reading, which actually uh, incorporates a lot of the dynamics that children already, young children are already very active when they are reading picture books. So these stories, they incorporate this performative uh, facet of reading in, in early years. It incorporates that into the story in meaningful ways. So then how are parents involved in this process? The parents also have an important role because one difference with these texts is that is not you know you don't participate always in the same way. So when you're reading a book, you know that you have to turn the pages, you read from left to right. And these stories, they have multiple ways of participating. So you have to through your experience with the story, you figure out what you have to do. And it's good that the app does not tell you exactly what to do so you can explore. And it means you, you need to be really immersed into the story to know what, what is it that you have to do. Aline explained with the concrete example of a digital picture book called The Monster at the End of the Book. How can very young children have meaningful interactions with digital storytelling with the support of parents? In this story, Grover is in this book and then he realizes that there's going to be a monster at the end of the book. So he asks the reader to stop turning the pages. So if they don't turn the pages, they will never get to the monster at the end of the book because Grover is very afraid of monsters. So there is this dynamic where Grover asks the reader to not turn the page. And of course, the fun part of the reading is that the reader will keep turning the pages and will keep going forward. And Grover is more and more scared of the monster. So at first, the children were reading this story the way that the design of the story uh, set them up to read. So they would turn the pages and they would laugh and they would have a lot of fun with it because they were contradicting what Grover was asking. But when they first read, because these children were four years old, so they, uh, I could see that there was a level uh, of fear when they were reading it because they were a little bit scared of the possibility of the monster too. But then because they... They could contradict Grover. There, there was some irony there. There was a humorous effect. So they would, they would do it anyway, but there was a little bit of fear. And then they got really excited with this app. And, and Mary was one of these children that would want to read it over and over again. So they, they would read it multiple times. They read it a couple of times in, in a similar way. But then when Mary read it for the third time, it was really interesting because uh, when she got to the scene where it was the last scene and Grover is begging, please, please don't turn the page. And, uh, and then she's supposed to turn the page and find out who is the monster. 
So at that moment, Mary uh, decided not to turn the page. So she said, no, I'm not going to turn the page. Oh, poor Grover, he's really scared. I'm not going to turn the page. Uh, so this specific moment is interesting because it shows that how Mary, she understood the logic of the app. She understood that when the app asked her, asked her to turn the page, it was giving her the possibility of participating. So it was a moment of agency. But at the same time, it did it over and over again. And it was the only way she could do it. So she understood this logic and she subverted this logic when she, in, in a humorous way, she said, no, no, I'm not going to turn the page this time. So she reappropriated the story. So she... Uh, got her agency back in a different level this time, in a level that she was in complete control. She understood the proposition of the app and she took control of it in a different, in her own way, in her personal way. So I think this is a, a very good example of how children can work with these limitations and can negotiate their agency in a story and with the interactive possibilities of a story app. In line with what Cohen and I talked about, I wanted to know Alina's ideas about how children could be independent enough in their actions while their reading experiences and learning are mediated by parents or teachers. When you think about agency, it's not that we are free to do whatever we want or the child can do whatever she wants or he wants. We are always dealing with a context around us and we are uh, in dialogue with this context and negotiating our, uh, our possibilities of agency within this context. So when we're looking at children and parents reading story apps together, we have two main forces there. We have the parent, which is another person that is there mediating the, this moment. And we have the text itself that is going to have its characteristics, its possibilities for interaction. So uh, it, both of them are in some way constraints to the child's agency. But the main thing about agency is how the children appropriate the text and appropriate the moment, and they negotiate agency with both the parent and the text. So that's the main thing. In some cases, the child will really want to appropriate the device and will want to control the device. But most cases, it's very natural that uh, the child will be at the forefront of the reading experience. Alina's story links important themes that we have discussed in previous episodes, such as parental engagement, learning through play and technology, and the power of storytelling with an emphasis on the child's agency. I asked Aline to summarize for parents and other educators the possibilities that this kind of reading experience with digital literature can bring to the children's development. So I think story apps are a great opportunity to expand the possibilities of children's encounters with children's literature today. So I think they allow children to think about their experience with digital texts and to think about participation in the digital world, but all that in the context of fiction, of fantasy, of imagination. So it's uh, talking a lot about the nature of digital communication in a very light and natural way, in a way that engages children. So I think the best learning 
happens when children are comfortable, they are happy with what they're doing, they are uh, within this realm of imagination. So I think story apps are a great opportunity for that. We need to promote this diversity of formats for children too. And story apps are a great uh, opportunity to engage with digital media in meaningful ways, in ways that are not automatic, that are actually active in a meaningful way. Having heard about the experiences of Cohen and Aline promoting children's agency in both formal and informal settings, I'd like to close the episode with some advice that Natalia summarized for us, which could help support the work of teachers. There can be some small changes to how um, teachers usually implement activities in the classroom that actually make a, a lot of difference to children's learning. So being conscious about the choices that they provide children with and um, making sure that children are conscious about the choices that they make. Thanks, Natalia. I wanted to highlight something fundamental when teaching children that you said. Making sure that children grow having choices about their own lives is not just key for their learning progress, but also important in a much broader sense because it gives life meaning. I'm just so excited to hear the teachers' voices as well on this, you know. I wish it was like a conversation that we could all speak together. I also wish that we could all speak together. With that collaborative spirit in mind, I want to call you, dear listener, as this series is coming to an end, to engage with us in the preparation of the new coming series of Teachers' Voices, one that will have a strong emphasis in the importance of education in sustainable development. You have listened to another episode of Teachers' Voices the last of this first series. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more about research on agency, about our expert Natalia and our interviewed educators, Cohen and Aline, on bold.expert. There, you will also find other relevant information related to this episode and links to previous episodes about parental engagement, digital learning, and learning through play and technology. This is the last episode of the current series. We will be hard at work over the next few weeks preparing the new series coming soon. The new series will feature more of the most inspiring research into child development and learning and be packed full of teacher stories sharing how they work towards helping children thrive and reach their full potential. We would love to hear from you. Are there particular topics that you would like to hear more about? Do you have ideas and insights for the new series? Do you know a particularly inspiring teacher, maybe, who has a story to share? Please stay tuned for more content coming very soon. Be sure to follow and subscribe. And please send any feedback and suggestions by email at podcastteachersvoices at gmail.com. I repeat, podcastteachersvoices at gmail.com. Teachers' voices.